podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is Wolves Weekly with Mikey Burrows, featuring the biggest names from past and present. Hello there, I'm Mikey Burrows and welcome to another episode of Wolves Weekly and it is a press pack special as we head into Christmas week. I'm joined by the Times' Charlotte Dunker, the Telegraph's John Percy and the Express and Stars' Liam Key. We'll discuss the players that have impressed the most so far this season, how the media view of the club has changed as the season has gone on, their views on Gary O'Neill and the way he interacts with the media, and a view on how expectations have changed and what might happen for the rest of the season to come. And that's where we start. Here's Liam Keane on the ups and downs of following Wolves. I think if you ask all the supporters how they're feeling and where Wolves are at after beating Spurs, beating Man City, uh, it's on the highest of highs. And, and, and you come out of performances against Burnley, uh, Forest, and, and of course West Ham the other day as well. It's, um, it's going to be a bit lower. Of course it is. But I think it's important to take stock because the measure of this team considering everything that happened in the summer, considering the scenario Gary Neal walked into, the measure of this team was going to be how they came through difficult moments. Um, and I thought four points against the likes of Burnley and Forest, despite p- performing quite poorly in both of those games, or at least in comparison to the, um, the the Man City performance, for example, then that was a very good return. Now, they aren't going to win every single game. It's the measure of how they come back and counter those poor performances or lesser performances is maybe a better way to, to describe them. So there are going to be peaks and troughs this season. It's it, it's about how the team responds to that. And they're in a difficult spot right now in terms of performances and maybe missing a lot of key players. Some key players that played against West Ham that weren't quite at their, their optimum either with, with illness. So I think Wolves are still in a good place coming out of this. It's just how they're going to move forward with that, with the likes of Brentford and Everton. Of course, Chelsea coming next, which is going to be difficult, but Brentford and Everton are, are, are big games as well. Charlotte, it feels like um, there are mitigating circumstances to the last six weeks or so in terms of, obviously, the the issue of VAR that tends to raise itself quite often with Wolves this season, but also kind of missing key players like Pedro Neto and Ryan Aitnori, and, and probably Neto being the optimal one because there can't be many that expected him to have had the impact he had in that first period of the season. I wondered how long it was going to take before VAR got brought up on this chat. And (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it's been a couple of minutes, so you've done well. I thought we'd get there within 30 seconds. Now, I feel like, as we all know, Wolves have been hard done to when it comes to VAR decisions. And I think when you look back at it, I had to do a piece where I analysed each thing and it was like seven extra points they could have got. So then, you, then you're looking at it, they're in the top half of the table if they've got those seven points. It make, it makes a big difference and it changes the way maybe people are looking at things. But, but it's like Liam said, I think if we look at where we maybe expected them to be, are they outperforming how, how, what we made our expectations at the start of the season? Maybe. And like you said, when you've got someone like Pedro Neto, um, who got more assists in 10 appearances than he had in his previous 60 matches, for him to go and get injured, it's going to disrupt the balance of the team because really he's the only out-and-out winger, you'd say, that they've really got in that squad. Yeah. John, what do you make of it uh, at the minute? I guess it, it is that element of Wolves squad. It went through a lot of changes right in the summer and 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 maybe we are learning now 
actually still where more change needs to be made? Yeah, I think the I think the strength in depth is catching up with them a little bit at the moment. I think obviously it's been, I mean, what are they 10, 11 points clear of the bottom three? So there's no need to panic. But I just think the last two or three performances, it's shown that they are creaking a little bit and they could do with a few players back and maybe do with a little bit of help in the window. And obviously there's not, I mean, not much scope for doing much, but I think it's just finally catching up with them a bit. There's a lot of players running on empty by the look of it. And uh, I just think they could do with a bit of help. But yeah, I mean, I mean, Pedro Neto, I was looking at the, I mean, I think he'll, he'll be back soon. So that's going to be a massive lift for them. I think he's like even still top of the assist chart with Trippier, even though he's like missed about a month. So I just showed you the impact he's had. And like you say, I know he came back as well. Um, I just think they just need a little bit of a lift. I just think they, they could do with this break in, in January sort of to get themselves back on it a bit because they just look a little bit tired at the moment. Burnley and Forest, and then obviously last yesterday at West Ham just looked like they could, they're just running on empty a little bit, I thought. John, is there a part of it, though, that they're, they're playing against different types of opponents? Like when you play against the run of fixtures that they had, right? Which, and you talk about Spurs and the way they play the game and, and certain other teams where it's a free, open game and, and that kind of suits what this Wolves team are, which is that kind of counter-attacking, swashbuckling, running style. Against yeah. other teams in the Premier League, it's not that simple. No, I mean, obviously Spurs, that was a, an absolutely brilliant performance and the way that the way Spurs set up with that high line, it was tailor-made for the way um, Wolves play with a sort of pace on the counter, as you say. Burnley, obviously, they they pass and pass and pass. They uh, they hardly created any chances, but that was a different game. Forrest obviously played with a low block, so that was a very frustrating one. And obviously, well, last time, I mean, you know, let's not forget, they're a very good side. As we said, they're in Europe. They obviously won the uh, Europa Conference League last season. They're no mugs. So, I mean, they, they are having to adapt to different styles of play. Chelsea on Boxing Day might be a game that, Obviously, with them, they seem to raise themselves against the so-called bigger teams as well. So I think that might be a game that's tailor-made for them to play there the way they have been playing under Gaz. And Liam, it's about expectation, right? And and I find this always fascinating because because of the achievements they made in certain games, like being Spurs, expectations go up, and all of a sudden it's not just about kind of getting over the line in games like Burnley. We want to be entertained as well, and 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 we expect them to be nailed on every single week. I think Wolves have been a lot more entertaining under Gary O'Neill. That that's without a doubt. The, the stats back that up in terms of goals scored and and perhaps goals conceded um, early on in games. But it, it, it's a strange uh, scenario, uh, particularly with social media, because I think a lot of supporters expect having gone and, and beaten City and, and Spurs in the way Wolves did. The wall should be should be pushing on. I mean, there there were some deep dark corners of the internet that were talking about Wolves getting into Europe after being a couple of those sides. Now that was never really realistic. This season. that was the Expression um, Star Wolves podcast, wasn't it? <laughs> I um I I don't think I can endorse that. Unfortunately, as 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 good a job as Gary Neal's done. Um, that obviously you don't want to you know temper expectations too, too much because you know Gary Neal's got to want to have a successful a successful year with this group and, and they're a good group you know they, they, they've got some talented players in there I think John's point about the the depth is a, is, a, is a very good one though but they 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 have to understand where Wolves have come from this season they lost during Lopetegui and brought Gary Neal four days before the, their, their first game and I think he had three days to work with them really um, in reality before the United game um, they lost a lot of big name players a lot of key players in the summer 
they didn't really bring a lot of players in until towards the end of the the window, particularly once Nunes had gone. So there's a lot of context there to throw into the mix. And Wolves, again, to Charlotte's point, should, should probably are exceeding expectations. So with all of that in mind, where they are right now, it's probably you know a success. And Gary Hill's done an excellent job. You can't expect to go in and completely dismantle a West Ham side that, to John's point, are, 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 a, are a very good team. So Wolves are in a good place, I think. It's just about now adding a little bit of added impetus to the side because tired is the right word. They are looking a little bit um, fragile at the moment. Okay, here's the question. Charlotte, I'll come to you first. In terms of expectations, when you no doubt sat down and your editors and stuff said to you at the start of the season, where are Wolves going to be at the midway stage? Where where did you think we would be at the start, and <laughs> and where do you think we will go from here? Well, you really put me on the spot, which is great. Um, <laughs> so, I think when at the very beginning of the season, when you look at the situation that Gary O'Neill was walking into in terms of the having, like Liam just said, losing big name players, not being able to get necessarily all the players in that they want because of the financial restrictions and you've got a new manager who's thrown in literally on the eve of a new season so it takes time to bed into new tactics new ideology that sort of thing I think that halfway this midway through the season you'd think they'd be in and around the mix of the relegation chat I genuinely didn't think they would get relegated because I think I always thought there was going to be three teams worse than them. Hmm. So I think the fact that they're 10 points above the relegation zone and don't look like they should be anywhere near it realistically, if we look at the results that they've got and the way that they've been playing, then they're definitely ahead of where I thought they would be at this stage of the season. John, what about you? I think they're about exactly where I thought they'd be. I thought, you know, 13th, 14th, I thought... I thought I thought the one to eleven they've got, despite all the sales, would still be good enough that they could keep everyone fit to have a decent season. I mean, top ten nowhere near, but I never ever thought they'd get into the bottom three. I mean, I hope there's no um, Luton, Burnley, or Sheffield United fans listening to this, but from the start of the season, I just thought those three are going to be the ones that go down. It's never been, you know, so you know obvious from the start of the season that those three were going to struggle. I mean, no disrespect to them at all, but I just thought the three were going to be nailed on. So I just couldn't see Wolves getting sucked into that just because of the, the, the depth in squad. I mean, it just shows you really how many good players they've had over the years. To lose, what is it, £145 million worth of players, including a lot of obviously fringe players, but the main players going, it just shows you that the, there wasn't a bad squad there to start with. So I think 13th is more or less where I would expect them to finish at the end of the season as well. I, I can't see them getting sucked into it and I can't really see them getting any higher. I think they'll pick up the odd good result like, you know, Tottenham and Man City at home. I think they'll pick a few more of those up. And then there'll be, you know, performances where you'd expect more from them. I think it'll be just, it's just going to be an average season. But after all the turmoil of the summer, I think most Wolves supporters, I would think, would, would settle for that. Liam? Yeah, pretty much spot on, to be honest. Uh, a second plug for the ENS Wolves podcast. Uh, <laughs> following your lead, <laughs> following your lead, Mikey. Um, <laughs> excuse me, I did say it um, at the beginning of the season, I said 13th or 14th. Um, I think I was probably called deluded at the time by supporters who were adamant it was going to be a relegation battle. But um, And probably by Nathan Judah. And probably by Nathan, but that's, that's our weekly basis, unfortunately. 
Um, so yeah, it looks looks like I was spot on. Uh, not blowing my own trumpet at all. Uh, yeah, no, I I, I, I think um, I, I think it'll be about that thirteenth, fourteenth, and that will be um, to John's point, based on on what happened in the summer. A uh, I think a tremendous success actually, considering where Wolves are at. It, it's been a, a a really strange season in a, a time of uh, a strange couple of years, really uh, covering Wolverhampton Wanderers. When you change a manager so quickly. Um, John, I'll come to you first on this. Your kind of first impressions of Gary O'Neill and and your impressions of him now, having been able to work with him and, and being in press conferences with him for the length of time that we have. I've been very impressed with him. I think he's obviously very meticulous. He's very shrewd. He's a good tactician. I think obviously the, perform- the uh, appearance on Sky, I think widened up to a lot of other people outside of Wolverhampton that this guy knows what he's on about. He's a tactician. He plans things. He's he's in with the data and all the sort of modern um, sort of technology and everything. I thought, but just to deal with him, I think the Man United performance away that that set an absolute start. They they were going to look all right this season. I mean, they, they they were really good in that game. They they arguably should have won that game. So I mean, from the start, you could tell that they'd had, he'd had an impact. Obviously, only after coming in four days before that game. But I mean, since then, he's just seems very settled. I think he's very clear on what he wants to do. He's very, um, he's got a hard edge as well, I think. I think if you look at some of his press conferences, he has said a lot of things, you know, yes, he, he defends his team, he defends the style of play, he defends, you know, he, he'll, he'll get annoyed with the AR, he'll get annoyed with how other teams set up against him. So I think he's, you know, he's, he's been very good for Wolves. And I think, you know, he signed a three-year contract. I think if you speak to people at the club, they envisage him having a, a, a long time at Wolves and, you know, building building from what's essentially been the start of a, a new build, if you like. And I think I think you know he's been better than anyone could have hoped for. Charlie, I know you used to work covering Manchester United, amongst others, where I imagine it might have been hard to get a, a clear answer to a clear question. Sometimes, <laughs> uh, from the press conferences I've seen, it feels like Gary will answer pretty much any question that's thrown at him. Yeah, and fair play to him. Like we've seen the the very honest answers that he's had about the refereeing decisions, and also he, he's not afraid to tell the truth and well, what seems like to be the truth. And like you say, normally you get politician answers, don't you, from football managers who just go round and round in circles. And then when you read the transcript back, you think, "Have you actually told me anything there?" Um, so yeah, it's refreshing to have that sort of honesty from a manager in a press conference. Um, and like John said, he, he, there's a reason why Wolves wanted him, and he's clearly shown that he's the right man for the job. Imagine co- coming into a situation where you're told this is your group of players for the season. The previous manager clearly doesn't think they're good enough or up to the job, which is one of the reasons why Lopetegui wanted to go because he wasn't didn't get the players that he wanted this summer. Um, and he, Gary O'Neill, saw enough from that group on paper to believe that he could do enough to to not just keep them up, but make them proper challengers and contenders in this league. And so far, so good. That's what he's shown he can do. Yeah. Liam, the thing I really like is that he, he actually fully explains things a lot of the time. And, and whether you agree with it or not, he still gives you that full explanation as to what his thinking is. Yeah, it's almost a, a deep dive into you know the the meticulous, organised, diligent kind of character he is. It's um, we, we hear it a lot with with sort of modern football managers, um, a lot with Bruno Large as well. You know, a very very detailed, um, to 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 the minutiae of the detail uh, in in training. Um, perhaps sent a few of the um 
a few of the players asleep at times. Um, <laughs> but I think Gary O'Neill has galvanised a group that maybe needed a little bit of an arm around the shoulder as well. Um, Charlotte mentioned it there, really, because one of the reasons Julian Lopetegui was, was so unhappy, was, uh, or the main reason in, in many respects, was the squad. Um, but what he did continue to do in pre-season, sometimes in a subtle way, sometimes in a not-so-subtle way, would be essentially criticise the quality of the group he's got in front of him. And players listen to things, players read things, players are aware of what's being said, particularly when it's their manager um, in a pre-season uh, tour. So Gary Neal did the right thing, I think, by coming in and and, and defending them quite quickly and putting his arm around, around them and, and, and backing them. And then the kind of answers we get from that and the kind of answers we get to detailed questions from that means that supporters get more of an insight into into what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's, that, that, that's only a positive. Now, it's also a bit of a cat and mouse game, isn't it? Because the way that, you know, football is the nature of, of covering a club and, and, and asking questions about players or individuals or tactics or whatever it might be, is that Gary O'Neill will, as every manager, have to give an answer that is also going to suit him to keep certain people happy, to explain things in the right way. Um, but we get an answer and then it's up to us to interpret yeah. it and analyse it and, and take it from there. Whereas a lot of managers, you won't even get the answer in the first place. Well, I mean, it's just on the Gary O'Neill element to it, because and this is more for, for Charlotte and John, really, because whatever he says, Liam's going to put in the paper, right? Because you, <laughs> you you get the free reign to, to do that. Whereas I guess Charlotte and John have to pick out a few more different bits and probably make that battle a bit more for, for column space, right? So is there an element whereby because of the way he handles himself, because of the, as John says, the Sky Sports um, Monday Night Football appearance, we talked on a, on a recent press pack, Charlotte, about that kind of Gary O'Neill had made Wolves sexy again a little bit, that there was more interest in us because of some of those results, because of maybe his appearances in the media, and therefore it might be easier to get stories in about us. Is that is that a fair assessment? Um, I feel like the big results were obviously great and they've gone in Wolves' favour but I think the way that he's so honest and that the way he like goes into his tactics and stuff like that I think in some ways that doesn't make them more sexy for the paper because they tend to go for more like sarcastic Pep Guardiola who just comes out with some (laughs) ridiculous comment every week about how they're not going to win the league or they are going to win the league changes his mind every seven days doesn't he so I think those managers that don't say anything by being a bit rude and obtuse seem to get more column inches. Whereas because Gary O'Neill speaks so much sense, it doesn't seem to work in the same way. And I know that sounds really ridiculous because he tells the truth and goes like deep into what Wolves are doing. And that's really interesting. And especially for Wolves fans as well, to be able to get in the mind of their manager, and really understand what's going on at the club and what, how he plans to take them forward and why he's doing certain things with the team, that's great. But I think just from a national newspaper perspective, they go for the like the massive names like Klopp and Guardiola and nine times out of ten, they always say something inflammatory, don't they? So I think Gary O'Neill's um, calm demeanour goes against him in terms of getting Wolves into the paper. But I think most Wolves fan- fans would prefer that than him ranting and raving and not speaking much sense every week. John, does it go kind of in spells? Because I, I guess 
when you're covering across the Midlands, there's Unai Emery, there's Steve Cooper. There, there are kind of different focuses at different times. Is that how how it kind of works? Your boss will say to you, "No, you need to be at Forest this week, or you need to be at Villa because they're now the story." Yeah, I mean that's obviously how it goes. You know, you you follow the story. I think going back to Gary, I think if some of the things he said about referees and VAR, completely understood what he's where he's coming from. He's speaking very honestly. But I mean, if that had been Klopp, for example, after the Man United game, we'd have it'd have been all week. I'm sure Charlotte would back me up on that. It would have been yeah. the whole agenda. The whole agenda would have been Klopp turning on referees on VAR. Gary O'Neill did it, and outside of the Midlands, it's very much sort of like oh. The Wolves guys had a bit of a moan. Whereas, I mean, that is the frustrations <laughs> we have on a daily, weekly basis with our desks. It's just, you know, getting more attention on our clubs is our job. And it's just, if, if Klopp had said something similar, we'd never have heard the end of it. Wolves Weekly with Mikey Burrows. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Let's talk about players. We've talked a little bit about Pedro Neto, and we can talk about him again, Liam, if you want to. But in terms of players who've really stood out to you in the first half of the season, um, maybe you expected them to be the key player, maybe you didn't. Who who would be the player for you so far that's that's really been the, the key person? Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a couple. I will focus on one. I'll give a, an honourable mention to, to Neto as an obvious one. Huang with his numbers... I think Max Kilman's been incredibly consistent for for a number of months now, so I'd, I'd like to mention those. But the one I would focus on would be Ryan Aitnori, actually. Um, and going back to the previous conversation about the you know the missing the players that have been injured and, and key. I know he he made his comeback off the bench um, against West Ham. Fortunately, didn't didn't miss too many games, but almost the the hybrid role and the system and the formation that. Gary Neal's created for him in, in this Wolves team um, has made him one of the, the the most key players for me. I think it's such a specific role that Hugo Bueno was struggling to fill. Bellegarde, albeit it was a slightly different formation really, but Bellegarde was struggling to fill against West Ham. And going forward, the, the kind of attributes he brings, particularly when he carries the ball from deep, um, suits this Wolves team perfectly. But it's really almost a story more than anything because he was destined to leave in, in the summer. Julian Lopetti hadn't played him for a long time um, from the back end of last season. Um, there were there were clubs chasing him. He was he was uh, allowed to go um, at one point and then obviously the, the financial restrictions in bringing players in changed that a little bit. But um, his, his Wolves career seemed to be on a knife edge at the very least and um, out of nowhere, opportunity uh, arises and 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 he's grasped it. I think he's been absolutely superb. Um, and even defensively, has uh, has improved again. I think so. Um, he'd be one for me, and he's one that excites me because of how young he still is and how far I think he can still can still grow. He looks stronger, doesn't he? I said to I said to Tomo in a recent commentary that there there was a point for every young player where they kind of go through that filling out stage and they start mm. to look like uh, you know a physical specimen of a footballer. 
and it maybe took him a bit longer. There was a lot of times where he used to get cramped in games after an hour or 70 minutes. And and now he just looks bigger and he looks stronger. And I I, I tell your point, I love the, you know, the idea of a story of, you know, it's the romance of football that, you know, two years ago they were talking about Chelsea and Man City bidding on him. Then in the summer it was kind of, is he going to go back to France for for lesser money? And now you'd imagine that the bigger clubs will be back in again. Um, John, who for you has been a standout in the first half of the season? Well, clearly Neto and Huang have been outstanding with their numbers and their performances. But the one who's really impressed me has been Lamina. I just think he sets the tone. He's the sort of heartbeat of the team. When he's on it, I think he lifts the players around him, inspires everyone. I think back to that Spurs game where, you know, it was going towards a draw and he's just surged into that penalty area and scored the crucial winning goal. I mean, it was just incredible. But I think he's just he's just the energy, isn't he? He's the heartbeat, the metronome of that team. If he's driving his team on, I just think it, it raises the rest of them. And I, I think he's been the sort of, not under the radar performer, but I just think he's one of those players, if he wasn't there, you would certainly miss him. Charlotte, what about you? I was going to go Lamina, but I can't copy. So I'm going to go honourable <laughs> mention, mention for Lamina and then go for the obvious with Huang. I just think... To go from where he was in terms of goal contributions to where he is now in terms of he can be in the conversation with some of the best forwards in the Premier League. I'm not sure at the beginning of the season that many people would have predicted that, especially when you look at Wolves' problems in front of goal last season being the lowest scorers. I think his transformation under Gary O'Neill has been remarkable and I always find it interesting going back to what you were saying before about um, interest from our desks in Wolves and stuff like that you always know that um, because they're obsessed with like the big the big six teams and then it really takes something for the the desks to be interested in some of the other stuff that's going on and they're like oh Huang's playing really well isn't he and I was thinking (laughs) oh he really must be (laughs) if these people down in London that run our desk are suddenly interested in him so um, yeah, for me, is the, the obvious standout, but honourable mention for Lamina as well, who is, I think has been excellent. Well, as Liam knows only too well, uh, I predicted before the start of the season that He-Chan would get to double figures and break our run <laughs> of not having anybody get anywhere near it for the last three seasons. Uh, so he's only one away for the campaign. And I think it was your story on Friday, Liam, that he's going to be around for a lot longer. Yeah, it's um, a, a massive plus for for Wolves to be able to to tie down players that are um, so important to the team. Um, he, he was already on a decent contract anyway, Quang um, wasn't he? You know, twenty twenty six, I think it was. Um, but it's part of the uh, the game really of rewarding players and keeping them happy and giving them the uh, the money. If we could be perfectly honest, as well as the uh, the contract length that's gonna that's that's gonna keep everyone um, happy. Is that and also about good position? Is... Is that also about learning a bit of a lesson about what happened with maybe Neves, but also Adama Traore? Yeah, I think so. Um, there's also a there's also a little bit of a um, other side to to that argument where Wolves at the time could have. Um, I, I can't criticise the club for for not selling their best players, but there was a moment when they could have sold Adama for for big money um, and and really. Uh, you know, made a big profit on the on the on the investment. Um, 
so the timing is, is 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 really important of when to sell players, when to bring players in, when to re- reward new contracts. The timing for this one's perfect. You you, you have to um, reward a player for for the kind of contribution he's had, um, and he's a player that we know has had interest from other clubs and other managers. And there's people in the in the footballing bubble that that like him. So uh, there's there's and there's no coincidence as well that you know, three or four managers in a row now, uh, if you include Steve Davis as, as an interim, I've all liked uh, Huang Hee-chan um, and, and played him regularly. So, yeah, it, it can only be a, a positive for Wolves that you're seen to be rewarding the, the players that do well. It, it incentivizes the other players in the squad. And at the same time, you have yourself in a strong financial position if, if a club ever comes in for him. Um, so as we kind of talk about a player who, who has done well and is staying, uh, John Percy, it's your favourite time of the year. It's when everybody on social media expects Percy bombs every single day. Um, yeah. What do you th- what do you think they're going to be looking for if they can do anything this month this month coming up? Uh, number nine is certainly the number one priority, and I would think I think Gary said it last week as well. I think a winger they need another winger, don't they? Mm-hmm. Obviously, Neto is the only sort of specialist one they've got. Um, but I think a number nine has been something they've been searching for for quite a while now, isn't it? I mean. I th- an actual penalty box predator, to use the cliche, someone who just gets in a sort of, you know, six-yard box and could put those crosses away. I just think they need someone. I think obviously the key for Wolves as well is they'd like Cunha to play across the, the front three more instead of just where he's been playing. I think there's, they feel a bit sorry for him at the moment that he's having to sort of play more of a centre-forward role. I know he does like to play wrong left-right in the centre, but that's the role he envisaged in playing. So I think the number nine is obviously something they want to look at. And another winger, I can't. I can't think there'll be much money to play with. Obviously, after the summer, I think they'll have to be. They'll have to box clever and maybe move a few players out as well to bring in the money or sort of take a lot of manoeuvring chess pieces. But they're the two positions I would think Gary's looking at. Charlotte, would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. But the interesting thing, obviously, when it comes to transfer windows, is we all talk to people who, and it's like, oh watch the shopping list for all these for all these clubs and it's like well oh just go out and get a number nine if you look in the Premier League you could say Chelsea Arsenal Manchester United there's a lot of players there's a lot of teams sorry who could desperately do with an, a good really good number nine hmm. if you're talking about a Premier League maybe like a Premier League proven number nine that is going to cost a lot of money is that money that Wolves have? I mean, we all make it sound so easy, like, oh, just go, go out and get a striker. It's going to, well, like, what's your problem? Like, just go and sign one. I just think mm-hmm. they need, you want someone who's going to lift the level of the team. They've got a number nine on the bench in Sasha Kalidasic, who has obviously been coming. I know he's recovered after his injury, but it's clearly not working out for him in terms of he's seen as more of an impact player off the bench. You want someone who's going to improve the team. So I, I, I think it's a really difficult task. We were speaking to someone high up at a different club and they said going buying in January is so, so difficult. And even then, and centre forward, when every other team is also wanting one, in that a player in that position, it's going to make it even more difficult. So I agree that that's what Wolves need. Is it going to be as simple as being able to go out and get one? I'm not too sure yet. That's been the element, hasn't it, Liam? Of of certainly Matt Hobbs as sporting director, in that they've they've spread the net a bit further than they have in previous years to try and and pick up on potential players. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's been a lot of work in 
in uh, in South America, as and then you look at Jao Gomez, who um, is still there's still work to do there as a as a player, but I think has got the potential to be a real gem for Wolves and particularly for 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 the kind of money they they spent on him. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's important for a club in Wolves' position to be able to do that and have the the reach to to spread that net and find players further afield. And there's no better example of um, of a club doing that than than Brighton, really, who are who have picked up a number of of brilliant talents um, and pay such minimal fees in comparison to to the fees that sometimes these players move on for. So um, in, in a position that Wolves are in. They need players that are going to improve the team uh, quickly. Um, I think in, in in January, number nine is, is, the, is the obvious one. But they've also got a little bit of freedom with the position they're in and how well the season's gone so far. And that I don't think they'll be involved in relegation where they can bring in players like Enzo Gonzalez and and mould them into hopefully a player that will play for for, for the first team in, in, the, in the Premier League. So uh, they have to be able to do that as well because... Financial restrictions have been uh, sort of a specialist thing with Wolves in in the summer with how much they over overspent previously. Um, but Wolves e- equally at the same time are not going to be a club that will spend the kind of money of a of a top six club because they don't have those kind of assets to be able to to do that. So they they have to be able to bring in players that are economical and 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 create Premier League footballers. Um, it's not an easy task though. Bear that in mind. So it's. Um, you know, Matt Hobbs and his scouting team have got a you know a big job on their hands. Because it comes back to uh, just to finish off on this, John, on that element of uh, Wolves are a, a club in transition, right? And, uh, and you can argue how long the transition has been going on from from the post Nuno era to kind of looking now ahead. And we've seen this summer just gone quite a lot of the the old guard have moved out. There are still some that that will move on in the coming month and in the coming year and and kind of then being excited about where Wolves might go in the rebuild. Yeah, the model's completely changed. I think the, the focus now is on young, pacey, you know, dynamic signings, you know, of a certain age and of a certain price range. It's obviously moved on along a lot from the last three years. And like you say, there, there will be other players that have been here a long time that will go as part of the natural churn the players that Gary O'Neill will be looking at will be completely different to the ones Lopetegui would have been looking at. And likewise, Bruno Large and, and Nuno, the, there's an evolution of player that the managers are looking for now. So that it's all, and Matt Hobbs is obviously driving it, him and his recruitment team, they're behind the whole thing now. So it's up to them to sort of, they're, they're just as important in this this rebuild as Gary. They need to get their players right and the, the, the scouting needs to be spot on. You've been listening to The Press Pack with The Telegraph's John Percy, The Times' Charlotte Dunker and The Express and Star's Liam Keane and myself, Mikey Burrows. We wish you all a very Merry Christmas. It'll be slightly different next week, but keep an eye out across social media for the latest episodes of this podcast. Wolves Weekly with Mikey Burrows. Podcast Network.